Hello, and welcome to episode two of the House of Music podcast called The Bridge. My name is Brad McLemore, and we'll be exploring how music is passed from one generation to the next and sometimes back again. Our guest today is Noah Levy. Noah is a drummer, a father, a dedicated family man, and a musical side man who has committed himself to laying down a foundation for others to shine. Noah started playing clubs at the age of 14, and by the time he graduated high school, he began a career of recording and touring with bands including the Honey Dogs, Golden Smog, Bodines, Mason Jennings, Five for Fighting, Peter Frampton, and most recently, Brian Setzer of the Stray Cats. We talked about how he's maintained a family life while touring, and how his son, Isaac, has blossomed into an outstanding multi-instrumentalist and producer also at a very young age. Hey Noah, welcome. Thanks Thank for being you. here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's let's start with um, where you grew up. You grew up in the Twin Cities. Yeah, I grew up in St. Paul. So you've lived here your whole life. Have you moved yep. other places? Just been nope. I uh, lived here, and uh, yeah, I was walking with my wife a couple years ago, and I realized I live six blocks from the hospital I was born in. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. So, yep, St. Paul and Minneapolis, both. So uh, tell me how you remember experiencing music for the first time. I, you know, my, if I think about it, my earliest memory was being in a closet with my brother looking at Rubber Soul. And, and it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't a listening experience. It was just looking at the artwork. Uh -huh. um, and then after that, it was... Um, uh, my brother built these cardboard instruments when I was a little kid, at these these this cardboard Beatles band, and I just remember you know listening to records. We had this fold out stereo, uh, listening to Beatles records on that. Oh, wow, and that was and probably so my there was, first. There was kind of visually looking at pictures of them playing or photos yeah. of them, things like that. That strangely, I remember that more. I'm you know of course I had heard music before then. But that felt like my first musical experience, and and it wasn't even music. It's strange. It was it was art. Yeah. It was. How old uh, were you? Oh, I must have been three, three or four, oh, wow. maybe. Yeah, we were we were little, but you know, and Adam's eight years older than me, and he said, right. "Look at this, look at this. Isn't this the <laughs> coolest thing you've ever seen?" And it was just a picture, you know. Sure, sure. Brown jackets. And I, I talked with him last week, and he told me how you. We're just banging on everything from an early age. Do you remember the point where you just started going, I want to, I'd like to be one of those guys playing the music, or did you not even realize you were doing that? I didn't realize. I was so young. I mean, I was probably five, and Adam just put markers in my hands, and I could keep a beat right away. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was just hitting pots and pans all the time. And were you trying and, yeah, to play was, with him, or were you? Yeah, just... he he had me backing him up on that Beatles thing. He had this cardboard cutout of a Ludwig drum set 
with the toms. <laughs> so I was hitting the top of the toms with these markers. And uh, yeah, that was, and then after that, that was just all I did. It was all I knew. <laughs> so how soon after this did you start asking for a real drum set? Right away. But they, I think they thought it was going to be a passing fad. And we didn't have much money, too. So yeah. um, I, I would get, like, hand-me-down tom-toms, and I would play those. And, but I mostly just played pots and pans. I didn't, uh, somebody lent me a drum set for a year, Adam's buddy, when I was yeah. probably 11. But, you know, from that point up until I was 11, I didn't, I didn't have anything. But I already knew how to play a kit at that point. Right. So um, I didn't get my first drum set till I was 13. Wow. So when I started wow. gigging, I had a drum set. So. <laughs> About the same time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so did you have any kind of formal lessons early on like that? Or did you do no. anything like music in school or... Like no, that? I didn't. Um, I, 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 I was kind of snobbish about it. Um, you know, like, I don't want to go back and learn one, two, you know. And right. I, I, unfortunately, I didn't learn a lot of fundamentals until later on. Uh, I went back when I was about 19, decided I really wanted to hone in on, on technique and things like that. So then I started taking lessons for a short time. And so you basically learn by listening to records, maybe your brother encouraging you to try this or that or whatever. Yeah, and watching friends and things watching like that. Watching friends. Yeah. yeah. Did you have many friends that played yeah, instruments all, as well? Yeah, all my friends. And, and uh, Adam had a drummer that played with him, a uh, really great drummer, Michael Simon, who actually, um, he, he kind of taught me how to set my drums up and hit your kick drum with the cymbal at the same time, you know, kind of basic things. Sure. Um, and then he ended up being our manager with the Honey Dogs for many years. And really? I was called him my drum pimp. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, so you said later on you started wanting to get in the fundamentals. That's after you've been playing in bands for a while. And what kind of made you take that leap to, I need to get back to some basics or well um some of my first recording experiences i realized boy i can do a lot of fills and i can do all this stuff but i need to rein it in i need to focus on my tempo and my dynamics and just laying down two and four you know right and making that as smooth and and feel as good as i can make it feel to right. me at least. And um, um, also, uh, that was when I decided this is what I'm really going to pursue. Right. And I had time on my hands. I didn't have kids yet. I was, you know, <laughs> I had all my days free, basically. So I got in on a rehearsal space and just went in and played every day for hours. Right. And did you seek out a teacher or anything like that at that point? Or was no. it just... I, I had a few people and and basically to see if I was on the right track technique wise, but uh, man, it was just a few lessons really. Right, right. right. Yeah, it, it was, I was basically self-taught. It wasn't going in and signing up for lessons or did you ever have a thought of, 
I'm going to go to music school or something like that. Not that there were a ton of them back then like there is now, but... You know, I, I, looking back on it, I wish I would have, but I was touring right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I had this bravado, you know, they, they say all oh, the confidence of an underclassman, right? <laughs> or an undergraduate, where, you know, you, I know all this stuff. I don't need a school to tell me. But, uh, you know, I, I wish I would have. Um, but... Um, there were things I just had to learn slowly, but yeah. I, I knew a lot of people that went off to Berkeley and they would kind of have to unlearn a lot of like, oh, I'm just this technical whiz, but you know, how do you sound on a stone song? How, you know, right. um, um, but now, you know, when I work with folks that went to music school, they just, they come correct. They, and they, hmm. they have a shorter path to learning material and, um, there are definitely things I wish I would have paid attention to. Right, right. So basically, you came out of high school and you just, you were in bands. Bands started touring or mm-hmm. what was, uh, or let me back up even before that. Where was that point where you said, this is what I'm going to do? This is going to be my career? I don't, I don't know. Um it was all I ever wanted to do. And I started playing, you know, like in the entry when I was 13. And, uh, you know, there's kind of a dearth of drummers. So I was able to get hired by different bands. And by the time I was done with high school, um, I just knew that was what I was going to pursue. My brother went to the U of M and he was you know, top of the class, summa cum laude and, you know, all of that. And when he was done, he looked at me and said, I don't know why I did it. (laughs) Interesting. And that had a big influence on me, bad influence on me, but an influence on me nonetheless. (laughs) I knew that I was getting a jump start right away, you know, had records coming out. Nobody was, you know, making a great living or anything, but that was, it was time to do it. Right. You got to a point where you taught yourself, basically, and you you knew what you needed to do, whether you heard yourself on record and said, oh, I got to change this or that. or I mean, it's a different time with our kids. Everyone's on camera. Every show you ever do is on mm-hmm. video somewhere, and which in a way I think can help kids growing up because they really can see themselves and go, Ooh, I need to, I need to fix that. Or right. I need to get better at this or that. Or, so, yeah. um, so how, how did you do that? How did you assess yourself? Recording was always, uh, uh, putting everything under the microscope and that was back, right. you know, you're going to tape too. Now, you know, the joke is <laughs> I will fix it in pro tools. But back then, especially in drums, your time had to be really good. And you were the only one, really, that had to get through the song. Other people could overdub over it. But the drums, you couldn't couldn't really punch in, punch out. And and I saw drummers getting fired left and right. And and people coming in, especially if you, you know, your first major label record. 
oh, we're going to bring in, you know, Keltner or Kenny Aronoff or Jeff Porcaro or, you know, like the, the insurance policy. And sure. I never, ever wanted that to happen. And wow. But also for, for your professional pride, I just wanted it to be right. So, yeah. and I had, uh, I, I was working with phenomenal musicians, producers, people that were um, telling me what they needed from me. And it was, I was receptive to it. And it was an amazing learning experience. Being receptive was probably a great asset where I, a lot of people can get defensive, yeah. you know, feel like they don't tell me what to do, whatever. So, um, yeah, I took it as a compliment. If you think I'm coachable, you know, that's good. <laughs> I've been in, <laughs> you know, my, my pet peeve is if I go into a session, they're like, that's great, you know, right away. And you're like, it really, is it great? What do you want? <laughs> do you not think I'm coachable? I, you know, or, or, or it is just great and I'll just defer to it. But, um, <laughs> You know, I I can take a punch. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. <laughs> let's get this right. So yeah, I think it's it's valuable. What was your earliest recording session you remember? The the first one. Um, I had a bunch of friends that went to St. Paul Academy, and they had this battle of the bands, and it was very cool. The guy that ran it, he was the math teacher, but he was a musician. This guy George Leiter, and. We won the Battle of the Bands. The first three bands um, got recording time. So we went to this place called Danger Studios over on Pryor, a little small studio. And it was a great experience. You know, I was 14, 13, 14. Played way too much. Um, <laughs> you know, my time was suspect. But it was, it was a really, what a great gift. If, uh, you know, yeah. it, it, what better for these kids, the, you know, if I don't want a gift certificate to Guitar Center. I want a, an experience, you know. Sure. Awesome. So that was part of winning the battle of the band. Yeah. That you got to record. Yeah. And it was it was really meaningful. And what, what about your parents? How did they look at you guys? Or were they like? You better get a plan B or something like that, or were they? They were mystified. No, they. Um, I wouldn't say they weren't supportive. They were just like, "What? My kids are musicians," <laughs> and uh, you know, I was the first in the family not to go to college, so that was a big scandal. You know, my dad was a professor. Oh, wow. Sure. Um, you know my and you know a family of academics and. Um. In fact, my grandma, when she got sick, I, she had cancer. I said, Mimi, is there anything I can do? She said, just go to college and I'll get better. <laughs> the Jewish grandma. <laughs> but yeah, the, wow. the, the, the that's no pressure or anything. No, yeah. no. I, I've learned to live with it. Um, but yeah, they, they were just kind of like, wow, this is so strange. You know, how did yeah. both of my sons pursue this professionally? But they got to see you do it too, though, right? They got to um, experience some of your success, and yeah, yeah, at certain, you know, um, but it, it wasn't like they were coming to all the shows, and I, ne I never needed that. It wasn't, yeah, um, that wasn't why I did it, and it, it felt like something so outside of it. Um, I I never needed acceptance from 
anybody to do it. I just knew I loved it. So when did you become a father? I was, well, I had, I had my oldest son when I was 30. Um, and I had been touring pretty much nonstop from when I was 18 to 30. And uh, that was kind of like the delineation. A lot of things changed at that point, obviously. But. Right. And that touring up to then, was it kind of major label touring where you had a bus or was it like get in the van kind of? Well, we were, some of it was major label, but it was all van at that point. Yeah. Um, and when I had my son, um, first of all, I decided I was going to just be home for his first year. Um, I could, because I was living on the road at that point. Right. And I didn't want to miss it. So, um, and also, yeah. And after that, what I was willing to do to tour was completely different because I had yeah. a child. Sure. It had to be worth my, I, I, and I had to make money for my family and I had to, you know, I had to change a lot of things. Right. Were you doing other jobs as well when you were in town or were you just gone until I was just gone. He was born. I was yeah. gone. Um, for for a couple years, I would, you know, I, I worked in a coffee shop. I would, you know, I'd do that for a little bit. Or I worked in a drum shop for about a year um, right. between tours. But um, generally, it was just drumming. Right. And plus, you're living cheaply. Back then, you know, it was just my, my wife and I. So it was pretty cheap. Right. So what age did you see your kids take an interest in music? Oh, boy. Well, um, Isaac, my oldest, he, right off the bat, I, I was out with this band Five for Fighting and came home from a tour. We were playing the Basilica Block Party, and that was the last date of the tour. So I brought the guitar player, this guy Stuart Mathis, and we we came to my house and Isaac was probably two and he came up and handed him a drum. Like he knew that Stuart was a musician. He's like, are you going to play music for us right now? <laughs> and then that night in the dress room, the singer, John was playing guitar and Isaac started dancing on beat and he was kind of like subdividing it. And we're like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> and then, you know, after that you'd pick him up at, at preschool and he'd have a little tennis racket in his hand. All the other kids would be playing. He'd be in the corner with this tennis racket. And it was just what he did, you know. Right. So, sounds familiar, kind of. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just what you know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, my great. daughter, she's got a great voice, but she's just not not interested in it. She's uh, it's it's a private thing for her. Same with yeah. my wife. My wife's a phenomenal classical pianist, and her really? whole family's her brothers a. a um, concert pianist and he teaches and performs all over the world and her dad's you know Cole Porter's you know around the house you know right but she, Jude refuses to play in front of people interesting isn't that interesting like I've seen that a lot teaching same and the same with my kids one one's an extrovert one's an introvert and they both are very musical but one that just hit a wall and like I do not want people watching me ever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and much less being on a stage anymore, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, and Isaac just ran with it. Um, we have pictures of him getting his diaper changed with the guitar in his hand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what did you... Well, tell me about that. When I would have friends over, we would play down in the basement, and I'd let him just be around it. And then... Yeah. Uh, on his fifth birthday, I got him a little Fender. You know, he had ukuleles and things because his hands were so small. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got him a little Fender mini guitar, mini Strat. And yeah. he started taking lessons right away. But then I realized he had perfect pitch. Oh, wow. We were in the car one day. He was, he was probably in first grade. And this Curtis Mayfield song comes on. He's like, Dad, this is in a different key. And I said, what are you talking about? He's like, that, that, on the old gray whistle test, it's in a different key. And on this video we had, and sure enough, he had the right key. And he just, wow. he just uh, you know, maybe he was like second or third grade, but he was so young. It was crazy. And, and he had, but he had played some, an instrument enough to even know what a key is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. He would tell his guitar teacher, John Eller was his guitar teacher. And, he, and John would be teaching him something. He's like, nope. That's not right. It's it's in this key here. Um, yeah, he just it, it connected with them right away. Interesting. And, and so he started guitar connecting with him too. Was yeah. that the instrument for him? That was kind of his gateway. Yeah, guitar. Yeah. And then um, drums he just always kind of knew. And he plays a lot like me. Like he just, we feel it in the same place. And his... Yeah, his bass playing is really something too. He's a, he's a great bass player. So what what did you do as far as uh, lessons for him? How did you did you was that important to you or did he ask for that? How did how did you try to guide him like that? You know, it didn't take much coaxing. It was just hey, how about let, let's try some lessons? He's like great. And at first he went to. Um, John Eller, who who taught him songs, um, you know, one of his first, you know, Blitzkrieg Bop. But then he started in with like, um, Cashmere, da na na, you know, like kind of slightly more complex rhythms, yeah. right? right? And then like pretty soon they were doing reeling in the years and things, you know. They he just <laughs> went for it, and he's like, he's doing it. He's you know he, and right. you know the, the kids are so malleable. And, and they can rise to so much. I, I think a lot, you know, you can. And then he ended up going to um, uh, Mike Michael at, at your place. Right. And Mike's great. And Mike's, Mike was, was more of, of concepts and ideas and ways to grow. And he was right. kind of a logical um, outcropping of that. Right. So the, the first teacher, of, how old was he? first guitar teacher uh, he was probably six six or seven and then when he went to mike was how old was he God, man i'm so bad with timelines he was probably a teenager by then and then he hasn't been really taking lessons since uh but in school he goes to a conservatory in st paul st paul conservatory mm-hmm. and um they taught him, you know, reading music and everything. He's playing upright bass in, in school. And then he got in the jazz program at, at the conservatory. And so he's a reader now, and, and which is really good. Really what, good. Um, what age is that school? Is that 
So that school, it's the St. Paul Conservatory for the Performing Arts, and that starts in ninth grade. So before that, he was at, you know, regular public school. But and Did he participate in music at public school? Yeah, he was playing upright bass there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, how old is Isaac now? He's 18. He's 18. So yeah. did he graduate last year? or No, he's still in high school. His... This is his last year? Yeah, yeah. So he's, um, and now he's doing uh, every other day in school, but he has been home and he's been working in the studio here with me. Right. So he's producing now. Do you feel like, I mean, Isaac's a pretty mature kid. I mean, yeah. I've, I've gotten to work with him here. He's come and worked for me some, actually, yeah. and and... I've you know I don't see him all the time but I would see him like a few summers in a row and and his growth and maturity was pretty impressive and as far as how he worked with kids was really impressive you know you guys really and, um you and and Matt Novachis really gave him a lot of confidence and I'm I'm really grateful for that uh, you know you you treat him with respect and and um but I know that he felt like, oh, I can do this. And, and when I watch him produce, I think that was instrumental in helping him when he's coaching people how to sing a part or why don't you try that guitar part again? And, and I think those were skills he learned from you guys and, and patience and right. Um, yeah, it's so valuable. So valuable. Well, it's interesting. Um, cause he first started working with Matt and then the more I interacted with him, that was I was impressed by how he well, did thanks. that with younger kids, you know. And um, so, yeah, I can see that transferring into producing really, really well. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's the one who set me up with this uh, recording rig today. <laughs> Grandpa can't run the VCR. He had to show me a couple things. Yeah, he's the perfect storm of musicianship and technology and the age well you know you were talking about how kids nowadays um you know what i'm finding about kids is they all play multiple instruments when we were growing up it was oh you play bass you play guitar you play drums and right. i was asking his friend like what's up with all you guys you play these instruments and you play them well and they were saying it's youtube I'm just Interesting. I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm watching my favorite musician on YouTube give a lesson. You know? Right. Yeah. Does he do that quite a bit? Oh yeah, yeah. If there's and um, and also you have okay. What's the chords of the song? I can't hear that part. You know, we had to drop the needle and go. Ah, what? what yeah. What, what, what? <laughs> so either they can watch somebody doing it on YouTube, or they can look up. You know, there's charts for everything. Yeah, there's, there's tabs for everything. Transcriptions, yeah. you know, it's everywhere. Yeah, that is interesting. One of my daughters wrote her um, college entrance paper on YouTube and mm. how much that has shaped things that she's gotten into. Like, And I never really realized this because she would just get into baking. Mm. And we were like, huh, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like... And then I read her paper. I'm like, oh, because she watched a million YouTube videos of baking and thought that was cool. So I she love that. To bake. It's like modern day folklore, isn't it? 
you know like kind of you know you you pass these things down and and uh you know there's a million things i can complain about it but the fact that your daughter is baking from it i love that oh i know yeah she didn't get it from us you know that's for sure yeah so isaac's at an age where he's got to make some decisions coming out of high school and i'm sure with his talent he could get a music scholarship somewhere and there are definitely a lot of options these days as far as music schools go. So what do you think is the next best step for him? So my um, my advice initially is do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, in a perfect world, I would love for him to go get a liberal arts degree or something where right. just just to expand his mind for four years and think about poetry and and world history or or whatever you know you know that's me living vicariously a little bit but it's um you know just there's a whole world out there and music Mm -hmm. you're always going to do music the other side of me says go to a music school like you went to north texas right Right. right, like you know, great. One of the best music, North Texas, Berkeley, Indiana, you know, Oberlin. Right. Um, go or at least start there. You don't need the degree in it necessarily, but just go there for a bit and exactly. glean what you can. Um, and that's mostly what I've been pushing. But he's not. He's already working, and right. Um, I probably shouldn't divulge it, but he's already making money. He's right. he's running the studio and he's playing every instrument and producing people. And I said, well, you know, do Berkeley. He's like, Dad, the music scene in Boston's tough, man. You can't play gigs. I'm like, well, it's, it's not about that, you know. But he right. wants to play and produce. Yeah. So I said, look, if you're going to do that, then at least go to Nashville or L.A. or you're young, go with a friend and strike out while you can right right did you ever have that thought like i should like especially once you started recording and getting people wanting you to record did you ever have that thought i should move to la i should move to nashville i did and um yes professionally it would have been a good move um but the other side of it is I'm happily married <laughs> and <laughs> and I do love my life here. Um, it's not the industry town that it was before, but right. if I was to move out to like Los Angeles, it would be my work, my work friends, and I'm gone all the time. And my wife, um, th- that was just more than she signed up for. And, um, she may have gone, but I, I don't, it just didn't feel right. And I don't regret it for a minute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like that has changed now. I mean, in, in, in some ways, like as, as far as establishing yourself, you don't have to be in that town anymore. Or one of those towns, if someone likes you and wants you on a record, you can make it work these days. You know? Sure. 
Sure, but so. you know, but when it comes to touring, you know, I had one band where I was the lone guy from Minneapolis, and I would fly out to L.A. just to rehearse, and right. it, they would have to pay for my flight, my rental car, my hotel. Just whereas if I lived there, maybe they'd throw me some money for the rehearsal, but I'd I'd yeah. drive down. And they had to pay my day rate. So, you know, that doesn't happen if... So you're open to a lot more shows. True, true, yeah. It's just that uh, you're there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, puts you in the proximity. Yeah. So what do you think he's going to do? What do you think Isaac's going to do as far as Um, Dave? I I don't, I don't, I think the school thing, I'm trying to do a last ditch, like, let's Let's look into this, you know. But it's, yeah. um, frankly, when I watch him producing, I'm blown away. It's just the speed at, at which he's working, um, all the information he's assimilating, mm-hmm. um, and also interpersonally, he's he's learned a lot. And uh, I think he's gonna if you know he'll he'll lead a productive rich life whether or not he does it and i'm, I'm having to come to terms with that right <laughs> that's not what i want and he's not gonna it's not like he's gonna fall on his ass he's already great at it right so right yeah it's hard to watch your kid and you know nobody has all the answers and you have to sometimes let him learn on his own yeah well and they <laughs> and they see oh it's I have to tell this story quickly. I, I remember I had Isaac's band play early on. He was pretty young at, I think, at one of the Wolfstock events or whatever it yeah. is in Linden Hills. And he and his buddies were setting up and getting sound. And you were back, you and I were back behind the stage. And and he plugs in and turns on his fuzz pedal or something. And, and you're like, yeah, his his fuzz tone sounds like ass. <laughs> but, but it was obvious, like, he's got to figure this out himself. Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. And, and you know, it was, it, I thought that was great of you being a parent that knows, you know, kind of, yeah. but letting him figure these things out on his own, it's going to make more of an impact to learn on his own instead of trying to tell him everything yet. You got to do this. You got to do that. Right, know? right. Well, and now you know we're running this studio together, and and we're button heads fairly regularly. Um, yeah. About, but you know he's taught me so much about recording, and now he's you know like dad, try tuning that bottom head up, you know, and and I really trust his ear, and he trusts my instinct on a lot of stuff. Um, but you know we butt heads about like the studio's a mess today or you know dad <laughs> kid stuff right or like, dad sure. god dad you know when we were setting up today oh it's not that hard dad you know <laughs> so stupid <laughs> that's great wow so did you see that coming like actually working together no i was i was quite surprised at how proficient he was so um, I don't know if you know Tommy V. He's a musician, bass player. He lives up in in St. Cloud, but his dad was Bobby V. And um, oh, right. And um, 
Tommy's this great bass player, and he and I play together a lot. And his son and Isaac are best friends now. And so Bobby bought an old bank, and they put a studio in there up in St. Joseph. And uh, Bennett's another one of these just blow-away drummers. He's been subbing for me since he was 13. You know, he's just, <laughs> he's great. And he just gets it. And he plays guitar beautifully and a really sweet kid. So Tommy's like, why don't Isaac and, and uh, Bennett just hang out up here for the weekend? So he started going up there, and it was like this little lab. And he learned right. how to use Pro Tools up there really fast and came back, and he's like, okay, I'm doing this now. Yeah. And it was... was it, this, so this was his whole idea, your new studio setup? No, this was mine. Um, I, you know, I, I had a studio at my old house. But it was in a basement, and the drums just did not sound good in there. And we bought a new house, mm. and we built above the garage, and and we ended up having to tear it down, unfortunately. But tear down the garage, or the... yeah, tear down the whole thing and start over again. Oh, you started, and then you had to well, tear it down and no, start again. No, we we were. It was a flat roof, and we thought, oh, we'll just pitch it, and we'll have tall ceilings. And people came in, they said, this is horrible construction. You, everybody said, you just have to tear down the whole garage. So, oh, wow. So it ended up being a lot more involved, and it right. took a year. But Isaac was involved with trying to set it up, too? and No. The, <laughs> he no. came in. It was one of those things where he, he helped, once everything was in, he helped me... Um, you know run lines and things like that and and right. he was a whiz at like okay how are we going to get these monitor amps to work and things like that the technical side the technical side he was really good at and he taught me a yeah. lot about logic which i'm running so so tell me something um i mean you've you've alluded to this but watching isaac play what goes through your mind? I mean, it's it's a unique thing to have a musician parent, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a side of you that's the prideful parent, but then is there the side that you're kind of analyzing his performance, or does that shut off for you when you when you watch him play? Or yeah, I I can really um, let go and just enjoy it. It's um. I really love his playing, especially his bass playing. Like when, when I play with him, it's like, oh man, it's just, it just is. It's just, it just feels good. And it's right. not, you don't have to put a ton of thought into it. It's like, wow. Or when he's tracking, it's like, I love his choice. You know, I'm, I'm just, right. I'm the overly proud dad, but I, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, sometimes I'll get on him like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it in music, you know? Like, you know, that, that, what was that? You know, what's that shit, you know? Um, you know, we'll, we'll joke about stuff like that, but I'm generally just kind of blown away by him. Yeah, um, that's great. And, you know, and it, and it brings him joy. It, it's, it's given me everything in my adult life. It brings me so much joy. And I, I you know, there's, I don't ever want to walk on that. Right. Right. That's great. I think that's interesting what you said about playing together. Cause I think you hear this all the time. It's obvious when you hear 
family members harmonize together vocally. You know, it's there's something unique about that. Yep. And I haven't really thought about that as far as a rhythm section kind of goes, you know, like a bass and drums. That sound, the way you're describing it sounds really similar to voices harmonizing. You know? Yeah. And and there's, you know what's weird is, so my brother, a, a great guitar player. So when when Adam and I play together, I've always just, when we're on stage, I listen to him. And I yeah. lock with him. And sometimes, like, we were doing this XTC tribute, and there was a song that was in kind of an odd time signature. Everybody else in the room got it, and Adam and I are like, what? Uh, like we we had to go over it again and again and, and we were making the same mistake but it was like this our dna was was like having a short circuit at the same time interesting wow and, but um when when adam and isaac and i play together it's like wow this is just it's crazy it's just everything just falls into line so seamlessly so well, how how much of um, influence do you think that has been on Isaac too? With you know having his uncle as a guitar player, and oh, big time, yeah. I mean, he, you know, if 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 I were to ask him, you know, Adam was a huge influence. Jim Anton, he grew up watching Jim Anton playing bass, who's just unbelievable and yeah. also a very kind of generous teacher. Um, Jim's very generous with his time and, and, and thoughts and advice. But I think those two were huge influences on him. He was lucky to have, you know, not only a musician, father, uncle, just the community you guys were in. Had yeah. some generous people that he was probably around. He was probably with you quite a bit socially and on gigs and things like that, right? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you probably see this with your kids. Um, if they take an interest in something and adults see that, man, it, it, adults love that. And, and they're so sure. generous with... Um, Isaac's had people looking out for him from a very young age and, and genuinely taking interest. And I had that when I was a kid, too. I had some people that I really... Like Matt Wilson from Chip Shakespeare, I really, he was my idol. And when I was a teenager, he kind of pulled me aside and here's what we're going to do, you know, and and it made, it it changed everything for me and it gave me so much confidence. Yeah. And I I think Isaac's had a series of those things and it always felt special to him. Oh, wow. That's great. That's Did you play in Trips Shakespeare? No. So uh, my bands, I had a couple bands that would warm up for them all the time. And, you know, Matt was a drummer. um, And I I played with him after Trip Shakespeare broke up. I was his his first drummer when he did his solo thing. I was young. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but he was a really big influence on me as a kid. And he just gave me a lot of advice. And he was like, I would watch him on stage just agog, you know, like this guy's the coolest guy on earth, you know? So Yeah, there's something to be said for music scenes that aren't too big, you know, that you can interact with people you watch and they're going to give you advice and, yeah. you know. And people like each other in this town. Uh, are you from yeah. here originally? Or are you from... 
No, I'm. I grew up in Dallas, a suburb of Dallas. Oh, you did. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you ended up here after college. Yeah, way after. Oh, okay. <laughs> My wife's from here, so okay. that's how I got. But no, it's it's been it's been amazing for me to meet people my age, and talk to them like this about how they became a musician and and just meet people and play with them and you're like okay we've lived these parallel lives in different cities you know yeah. doing kind of the same thing or whatever and um, and it's been really fun for me just personally meeting these people that um. We're in these bands that I never heard of, really. You know, mm -hmm. I'd never heard of, you know, Trips Shakespeare before I came here, or the Honey Dogs. Actually, that mm -hmm. was Honey Dogs were one of my first like, wow, how do I not know about this band? You know? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what's next for you? What, um, you've been kind of shut down by this pandemic as far as touring and everything, right? Yeah, the the touring thing, I don't have anything on the horizon now. Nobody does. You know, there's talk about right. maybe in the fall or uh but um there's no definite dates. I'm starting to get some festival things this summer, outdoor stuff with different people. Mm -hmm. But um it's my plan right now is just to build the grow the studio and grow my session work. Um mm -hmm. That's been going really well. Are you having people send you tracks and you're putting drums on them Most, from wherever? Yeah, that's I'm doing a lot yeah. of that. Um, and I'm man, if I would have known what I know now, I would have done this years ago. You know. Yeah. It's I love the work, and it's a, it's a really it's working. You know, I I had a lot of right. fear about it going into it like i'm not i'm not a an engineer i'm not um right again youtube has been <laughs> you know I'm, I'm taking youtube tutorials every day and and learning right. new gear and mic techniques and you know things like that right it's not just for our kids right youtube <laughs> yeah well it's also helped me fix my snowblower <laughs> <laughs> exactly being a parent and knowing what you know about um, having a career as a musician, I'm sure you've seen your share of really talented musicians struggle in many ways, you mm -hmm. know, uh, financially or chemically, mentally, you know, um, all kinds of ways. Um, have you ever been a bit afraid for him? Or, you know, we, I, talk, I asked you that question earlier about did your parents ever say get a plan B as a parent looking to him? Do you ever have thoughts like, you know, maybe you should put your business hat on here or things like that? You know? Yeah. Um, I do. I, I think about that a lot, but um, he early on has seen the pitfalls he sees people around me that have drug problems, drinking problems. Um, right. I would say that's my, my biggest concern is just the, the mental health aspects of it is um, you can get so beaten down and uh, you have so much access to everything. But even cautionary tales don't stop people from doing that. Unfortunately, if you're wired that way, you're wired that way. 
and you have to fight those um propensities but um i you know as far as having a fallback plan or or worrying you know if i wanted to be rich i wouldn't have been a musician you know i i i i like to make money i like to do these things and i try to get paid um fairly but um you know, become a stockbroker if you want to get rich. It's given me, um, I mean, if I think about it, my whole adult life, my friends, my wife, my children, uh, traveled the world, all these things have been, I happened to get through music. You know, I met right. my wife through music. I, um, and, you know, I mean, a, a lot of my friends through music. And I just, I love musicians <laughs> i love <laughs> i love hanging with musicians and and uh right. i love the way they think and i love um i don't know it's it's so it's just it's a beautiful life and it's painful as hell i've had some incredible lows and um but man it was worth it well worth it yeah i do feel like Whatever path we choose, um, you got to just love it. You know, it's, I can't, I think you're going to hit a dead end if you're just trying to make money. Yeah. Unless that's your only passion is money. <laughs> right. And, and we know plenty of people that, that do feel that way, but, um, I, money was never, anything i I always felt like that was going to fall in line somehow you know like some it's going to magically come down from the sky but um right you know as luck would have it everything's been fine yeah yeah i felt like my parents were the same as yours and they didn't really ever discourage this or anything like that even though they were um nine to five working People, my dad worked in a steel steel plant, and one of the most encouraging things that made me feel good after I'd been out of college for a while and you know I was teaching and being a musician, and he was about to retire, and he was so afraid they were just going to lay him off, and oh. and it just like at the end, this company I've worked for for you know decades and decades they're just going to screw me in the end did they and they didn't he oh. made it i mean it, he was like in the last three years and he was he fine but you know the whole steel industry was up in turmoil and his company got bought and all this stuff and he you could just tell he was on pins and needles just to get to retirement you know wow and he made it and everything um but he just sat down and said you know that's I just saw this generational shift of his father telling him you got to get a good job you got to have good insurance and all these things he's like and he saw me doing none of that <laughs> but he said you're doing this on your own no you're not depending on anybody and you're you're doing the right thing you know because mm-hmm. you can't depend on anybody yeah it, he just saw that next and that's how it is for now people there's not a lot of loyalty in being in a big corporation or whatever or or like 
for in our world or being on a major label, all those things, you know, it's, you got to sh- be on your own. And I'm sure you thought about your dad a lot where just that, that tension of, um, yeah, you can't rely on this corporation. You can't. And they really don't care about you. They care about their bottom line. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I feel lucky that we haven't had to do that. You know, that's. Well, you know. my one of the hardest times in my life was when we were on a major label and we were dealing with a corporation because, yeah. it, you know, it was this public with which group with the honey dogs. We were on Mercury yeah. for a bit and yeah. we were dealing with a publicly traded company. So, you know, a lot of stupid decisions get made and um, incredibly cutthroat. It was never like, how are we going to develop this? It was, do we see a return on our investment right away? You know, that kind of stuff. And um, it was, it was, I've never been so powerless in my life. They were like, yeah, forget these guys. You know, they were done with (laughs) us pretty quickly when they figured that they weren't going to make a buck. It was like the movie right. business where if you don't have a good opening weekend, you're done. Right. Whereas, you know, back in the day, your first record might not do anything. But, or like Dream On hit a year after the first Aerosmith record came out, you know. Right. One radio station picked it up. That, that doesn't happen anymore. What's your advice to other parents who either want to get their kid involved in music or that they have a child who shows some interest in music and or some talent in music. What would be your advice? I'm of two minds. The first thing that that comes to to mind is take your kid to concerts. Um, Expose them to as much art, as as many different kinds of music. And... You know, if they love, you know, Harry Styles, get them tickets to that Harry Styles concert or, you know, but find the gateway that that really turns them on to the music and an exposure to all kinds of music. You know, go to jazz. My dad, once once I started playing, he's like, okay, well, we're going to go see Max Roach play if you're going to play the drums, you know. And at the time, like, oh, all right. And, and I went kicking and screaming, but it was a really great experience. Um, and he would take me to the orchestra. And, um, and, and that was the common ground we had. But So I would say that. But the other side is, I hear people say, I wish my parents would have forced me to take piano lessons. Right. Or my parents forced me to take piano lessons, and I hated it. And they said, well take a year or two off and decide if you want to go back to it. And some of them do and some of them don't, but piano is so valuable. You know, it's right. It's theory wise and rhythmically. Yeah. I really don't think you can go wrong having piano in your background for sure. Well, Hey, is there any other thing you'd like to share with parents? Uh, no, I, but I, you know, to anybody listening, I would say um, I'm eternally grateful to you for um, the way you treated my my son and my family. Um, it was it was very meaningful, and uh, I feel like your place there's a very nurturing place. You know, 
Yeah. Well, thanks, Noah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Very much. Well, man, thank you so much. Well, thanks for, for having part me. Of this. And uh, and uh, I uh, hope to see you when the dust settles. Yeah. Same here. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Noah. All right. And that concludes episode two of The Bridge, featuring Noah Levy, brought to you by the House of Music. Be sure to check out some of Noah's work with a couple of my favorite Twin Cities bands, The Honey Dogs and Golden Smog. Until next time, have a good one.